Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Tuesday, November 9th, 2021. I'm one of your host, Blessing, Adioye Jr. Joining me is the force that is Gary Witta. Good morning, Blessing. How are you? I'm doing good, Gary. How are you doing? I'm good. I enjoy hosting with you two weeks in a row now. I, I'm, I'm, you know, oh, I, yeah. could get used, I could get used to this Greg Miller, you know, being off the show. I, I feel like you and I got a good thing going. It's, I'm always going to be, I'll be happy, but I'll also be sad when Greg comes back because I feel like we're finding a little groove here, you and I. Oh yeah, Gary, I, I love hosting with you because you're one of the co-hosts that always has like something to say, right? Like you, <laughs> you, you, you always like have a thought teed up. You can go off about whatever I throw at you. And I feel like that is the, that, that is the sign of somebody who is fun to host with. And so I appreciate hosting with you. And I'm, I'm with you that like, there's uh, Greg being gone, I think lends to a different energy for kind of funny content, because that means that I think we're a little bit more laid back and like chill and not as loud, even though we're still a company made up of very loud people, you know, like mm -hmm. Scarpino and Tim Geddes and the whole crew is loud. None of us compared to Greg Miller in terms of loudness. He's so very there has, loud. He's very loud. And so there has been kind of this gap of like just non loudness. And it, for me, it was evident this last weekend during Extra Life where spoilers for the kind of kind of funny Mario Party CEO tournament where Barrett won the the tournament and then gave the CEO status back to Greg Miller. And Greg Miller appeared for like a solid few minutes back on Kind of Funny Content, the rare appearance during his, his uh, uh, paternity leave era. And I forgot how loud this man is. I forgot the volume levels in which his voice can reach. And it is ridiculous, Gary. I wonder if um, he'll come back after paternity leave a little bit quieter. Because one of the things that I learned with our first and again i just i've been reminded of just recently because you know, we, we have a baby just turned uh, a month old is you you do have to learn how to be if you're because i'm loud as well i've got a very loud speaking voice i tend to kind of crash around the house and generally you know just kind of be a bit of bit of a bull in a china shop and i know greg's that same way as well but you do have to learn to kind of keep your voice down and you can't be kind of crashing and banging around the house so I wonder if I don't know if any of that like I guarantee you like Greg's learned to be quiet around the house because I yeah, guarantee he's definitely Jen's been learned. like shut Shh, Greg you need to be fucking quiet the baby's asleep like, I wonder if you'll bring any of that energy back to the I show. doubt it no because here's the thing Gary is that yeah he's he can be a gentle soul when he wants to but the longer he does that the more pent up energy he builds oh, and we so saw that yeah, on so you're saying you're saying it's going to come back worse oh yeah 100%. Yes, that's going to be his outlet like, and, and that's why I wanted to keep him right. a CEO because that's the shooting star you know what I'm Gary, I want I want an update from last week because last week on the show and on the post show we talked a bit about the games that you were looking forward to playing, and I think you mm. mentioned games like Inscription and others. What yeah. is the update? Where are you at with video games? I have a new uh, game of the year. My personal Whoa. game of the year has been usurped. I didn't think it was going to happen because I uh, was such a fan of It Takes Two, as you know. Leah and I played all the way through that. And I was just, I'm just so enamored with it. I, I think Joseph Farris is a genius. He's three for three now in my oh, yeah. estimation. Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, A Way Out. And now um, uh, it, takes two, it yeah. takes two. He's found a way to kind of, you know, reinvent that two-player dynamic every time. And it, he just gets better and better at it every time. And no one is doing the two-player co-op stuff as well as him. And it is just every every new level where they introduce like a new gameplay mechanic i'm just like more like how does he come up with this stuff like it's just so so good and for the longest time i was saying I mean, i've had the games this year that i really liked but i remember saying for the longest time like nothing's like it takes two is like just lock it in now it's game of the year i know there's small games coming but like nothing's gonna topple it i it's happened though i played something this weekend mm. that is now my current uh game of the year leading candidate it's at least mm. tied with it takes two maybe maybe i'll maybe i'll be like a joint winner for me personally this year but um i gotta tell you i finally got around to playing the artful escape and it blew oh! my motherfucking mind i was I not expecting never that. Played that makes sense anything like it and i was just so impressed so blown away i i just i can't wait to play it again they're absolutely one of the most singular unique 
incredible any kind of experience movie tv video game you name it just this epic fucking science fiction rock opera insane thing i don't even know how to explain it it's so psychedelic it's got one of the best soundtracks i've ever heard it's on game pass you can finish it in pretty i finished it in a day four five six hours depending on how you want to make your way through it but just incredible just absolutely brilliant everyone's got to play it the art escape fucking Here. loved it what if I told you that you were the second person now here at Kind of Funny? Who is has it Tim, Tim Gettys, right? Yeah, Tim Gettys yeah. has it as Game of the Year also, which it's yeah, gonna that's be, awesome. It's going to be it's going to be my Game of the Year. I'm I'm pretty like I'm, I, I, there's nothing else like because all the other stuff that's that's left now is like the big big AAA stuff like you know Vanguard I haven't played yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know there's, there's Halo. Fort, Fort, yeah, Forza Halo Battlefield. But like, I'm sure those I'm sure those games are all going to be very good at what they do, like straight down the middle, you know, highly polished AAA experience. But the games that catch my attention are the weird things that like no one else is going to make this game. You know, it's an Annapurna kind of thing. You know, they always you know do the weird games, and it's just this. I've never. It's up there with Journey as like one of those experiences that will always stay with. I, I'll be talking about this game ten years from now in the same way that I still talk about Journey. Is like the first time I played through Journey, like that imprinted on me in a way. It's like my God, this is one of the greatest experiences I've ever had with a video game. And I had that again with the Artful Escape. It's just it's the most wildly imaginative original just deeply beautiful it's poetic it's soulful it's got a great kind of underlying thematic story about you know being true to yourself and you know don't try to be who other people think you know that you should be or who they want you Mm -hmm. to be be who you know you you know you truly are um and it's just this epic voyage of self-discovery and it really does feel like this kind of trippy psychedelic like 1970s the who type like imagine like if like the who and pink floyd and douglas adams and terry pratchett like all wrote a rock opera together this is what you would get Mm. um and it's just it's just absolutely stunning i've been listening to this listening to the soundtrack ever since downloaded the soundtrack on apple music immediately after playing it can't wait to go back and play it again. I wish I'd have played it under better circumstances. That's get the volume low because you know we had the baby asleep while I was playing it over the weekend. But I want to go back and like play it with headphones, maybe get stoned because I feel like that's probably the best way to get oh, the most yeah. out because it's very trippy, very psychedelic. Oh yeah, it's just just a beautiful, beautiful <laughs> piece of art. It, it really is like one of those. It's one of those things where. I know I feel like this conversation's like done and dusted now, but every time, every now and again, it comes back again. Anytime someone tells you video games are not art or cannot be a work of art, fucking show them this. Like it's just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, I, oh, I, yeah. I, I remember like playing through it and like the concept of it of like this kind of coming of age story, but like using it, uh, using like the almost like allegory of. Uh, where rock was at, like going from like the the late sixties into the seventies, and having this main character kind of go on his like Ziggy Stardust uh, journey, I thought right, it was like a really, right. really cool concept. And maybe it doesn't maybe it doesn't appeal to everyone, but it hits like you know for me because I'm a little bit older, like it hits all my personal favorite kinds of music that generally you know, genres that these days are very underserved. Like it's got it's obviously got this kind of Bob Dylan folk music kind of vibe, which is beautifully done. But then where the vibe really is again is this like this trippy kind of pink floyd the who rush kind of you know like the kind of epic like science fiction odyssey rock opera type stuff that was really popular in the 70s and really has never never has been again it's a very very specific genre but they nail it so well it's so clear that the people who made this game love that very peculiar very particular kind of music and they just nail it just so well done i mean that's kind of where i sit with it i remember talking about it on the games cast during our review of it and i had played probably about half of the artful escape and i hit the point where i was like okay i get what this is i appreciate it i respect it it's not for me but the conversation that we did have was if they made this for a genre that i cared way more about i would see this game as an absolute masterpiece right like if if they had this same exact thing but it was for hip-hop or if it was for old school hip-hop and the transition between hip-hop generations oh my god i would be absolutely over the moon yeah i mean i could absolutely see I, i could actually see this this game like you could have taken that this style of game and applied it to any kind of brilliant you know, historical, you know, piece yeah. of, you know, it, it could have been about like the birth of hip hop and that would have been an amazing version as well. But again, and that would have spoken to you. So I'm very lucky that they made the version of the game that speaks to me, which oh, is yeah. that kind of 70s prog rock with kind of sci-fi, you know, the, the, the eras when like, you know, album covers look like the covers of like epic sci-fi yeah. novels and they told like this really epic story. Like it's so beautiful. And it's one of the, one of the reasons why I'm going on about it here is it's one of those games that is like so good you want to immediately go out and become an, an evangelist for it. Like, why aren't more people talking about this game? Everyone should be losing their shit over what a, what a beautiful work of art this game is. So I am going to be 
going full to the mat for this in every game of the year conversation I have between now and the end of the year. It Takes Two is still going to be up there. There's a bunch of others that I that are bubbling under, you know, for my runners-up. But unless something significant changes, Artful Escape is going to be my game of the year. Now, Gary, have you played House of Ashes? Because you mentioned how much you love It Takes Two and how, how well that game handles co-op and how there's nothing else that really does it on that level. House of Ashes is one that I played yesterday. And I'm not going to compare it to It Takes Two in terms of how well done the co-op is. But as a co-op game, that's a, that's one that has caught me off guard that I think is really good. And I think more and more people are going to talk about as more and more people get their hands on it. Because the, the Dark Pictures games leading up to this one haven't been as phenomenal. House of Ashes, finishing it last night. I am blown away by. Is this is this one that you checked out yet? Yeah, and finally, I was literally just talking to Leah about it today. We've been looking to have that kind of. I said, to, "Hey, there's a whole genre of like cinematic horror games out there that you can play cooperatively. This could be like great for us because Leah likes horror. I I have, I have a slightly lower tolerance for horror. I get like creeped out really easily. But like when you're doing something together cooperatively, that kind of takes a little bit of the edge off of it. I was a big fan of uh, Until Dawn. Haven't played any of the dark. Was it been two previous games prior to this? The yeah, Man Madon and then Little Hope is the second. Yeah, one. so I haven't played either of those, but I know they're all the kind of again the same kind of cinematic presentation, and there's like two player gameplay. This is the one because it's the first one that's for that, that's optimized for next gen. The storyline seems to be the one that kind of could be the most interesting to me. We got it like we just we just picked it up last week, and I've been talking to Leah about it. literally. We may we may start it tonight um because i think it's uh it could be right up our alley and, it, and i did i did see you tweeting about how you were a big fan of it so that even that got oh, me yeah. even close to like we should push this up the queue i think it's gonna be the next thing we play yeah i was blown away by it You'll, people will probably hear me talk about it on ps level you know other podcasts that come up but the the characters in this one the places where the story goes the places where the story and en ends up even like there's things in like the credit scene that has me like wow, they've really figured out what this what this franchise is in terms of dark pictures. And it does the thing where after you beat it, it plays the trailer for the next one. And as I was watching that trailer with my co-op partner, both of us were like, damn, it sucks that we're probably going to have to wait another year for this because we were ready to jump into it right then. Like, we were, we were super into it. And so, yeah, big shout out to Dark Pictures Anthology. Uh, and Gary, I want to talk to you about video games, like about the games that we've been playing. I know, playing. we could do this all day, just we having the, this just all the day. generic video game chat. And so maybe I'll save some for the post show. But for now, Gary, let me tell you about today's stories, which include Pokemon leaking all over the place, Sonic Frontiers possibly being open world, and more because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every week at 10 a.m. live right here on twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. If you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on youtube.com slash Kind of Funny Games, roosterteeth.com, or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for kind of funny games daily remember you can use epic creator code kind of funny on all epic store and epic in-game purchases like rocket league and fortnite to help support the channel to be a part of the show at to patreon.com slash kind of funny games or bronze members or above get to write in and silver members or above get the show ad free with the exclusive daily post show housekeeping for you PSL of you xoxo is up right now uh, it's janet and i going through and creating our definitive playstation holiday shopping guide that's up right now on youtube.com slash kind of funny games and on podcast services around the globe we also have a very a very long conversation about bloodshore uh by wills and oh that's on my list too largely Dude. based on your recommendation it's like kind of like a off-brand pubg interactive movie right yeah F fmv yeah ba basically based on pubg and other battle royale games and i cannot wait to hear what you have to say about this game did you enjoy it I loved it. And here's the thing. Wills Interactive, they put out a lot of FMV games. I just, that's their shtick. That's mm -hmm, their thing. Mm -hmm. And I played multiple of them at this point. The ones that I played and the ones that I've like heard impressions of and talked to Greg about before this point, I wasn't the big I wasn't a big fan of. Complex was one that was more sci-fi. It was about a virus that they were trying to contain. That one I had finished and I was kind of like all right, I really like FMV games, even the crappy ones, but this one right here is kind of like, it's kind of boring. It's not, the writing isn't good. It's not really doing it for me. Bloodshore leans into the campiness. It leans into the wackiness. It doesn't take right. itself seriously whatsoever. And because of how over the top it is, it ends up being fantastic. It, ends it does up look very campy. So I just watched the trailer. So let me ask you this, like these mm -hmm. two, I mean, I remember these FMV and so I, I kind of love that Wales Interactive is still making this. This is what almost kind of like a throwback genre, like to the first days of when CD-ROM first came out. 
like in the oh, mid nineties yeah. and they were like, Oh, we can put FMV footage, you know, on a, on a disc now, like video, it was, it was low quality and grainy, but there was a period where like interactive movies, like that was the thing. And it ended up mm. being kind of a dead end and it wasn't the direction that people went in interactive storytelling did become a big thing, but like using full motion video is something now that only a handful of people are still doing. And I love that kind of Wales interactive is still, you know, kind of like hitting the uh, servicing again. What I feel is almost like a retro genre now. It's a strange thing to say, but interactive movie in that in that very tip, old fashioned form is kind of like a retro genre again. Oh, yeah. like the, the days are like CD ROM in the mid nineties. But so let me ask you this: so the, the 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 kind of the two the two standards that I think you kind of judge these these kind of projects by as a movie. Did you enjoy it? Like, if you took the interactivity out and it was just a movie, it's not I, a good I get movie. That, I, I get that it's, it's not a, a good movie. movie. I get that it's camp. I get that it's low budget. But like, can you enjoy it just on its own terms? It's it's a bad movie. It is entertaining though. If if entertainment value means a lot to you, I think it is a fun watch just from the perspective of wow, this is ridiculous. Wow, this acting is so like it's 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 not up to par. Oh man, the script is all over the place. But the ride they take you on, I think, is a fun ride. And then I, I, this might be your other standard that you're about to mention, but I think the thing that makes this game is the choices and is right, the pages. Yeah. yeah, like they so nailed that, that. Yeah, so that's uh, yeah, that is the other part, right? Are the choices interesting, right? Do you mm -hmm. feel like you're crafting your own version of the story through the choices, and are you kind of intrigued to know like what other versions of the story could have played out if you made different choices? One hundred percent, yes. I think this is one of those ones where it's almost like that. It's almost like they min maxed it on the choices right, in the right. story, where the story is like whatever. It's entertaining. It's fun, but it's it's pretty bad. The choices in this game are actually really impressive. It is it it. This is one of those games that only has like two uh, uh two cho choices per decision that you're making in the narrative. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. But the two choices are usually like the okay e either or right. Like it is the okay. These are the two choices you'd want to make to really branch this this thing out and i was very impressed we played this game on stream last week i was we i was so impressed that by the time we finished the game the first time around because it's only an hour and a half uh long we finished it and all of us were like let's play this again because we want to see where else right this right, goes. right we want to see where the where the choices are going to take us we played it again and gary i kid you not the second time we played through the game was completely different from the first like the first oh, wow. 30 okay. minutes were the same but we reached a branch point like a major decision in the game that created pretty much an entirely different path and pretty much like allowed us to look at the game story through a different lens in a way <clears throat> in a way that I thought was super impressive and made me want to go check out other Wales interactive stuff if this is the that's way interesting doing it. yeah I yeah. like that and I, I, I like the fact that it's you know it really does sound like you know you're not investing any more time than just watching a feature length movie right because that's basically the length of the experience. Yep. Seems like it would be a fun game to play either with other people on the couch, like, oh, you know, what choice are we going to pick? Or oh, fun, yeah. a fun game to stream with an audience as well, I feel like, it, where you can, it, like, you know, what do you, what do you want to do next chat? That kind of thing. Exactly. And it does have a streaming mode where when you're playing regularly, it has, like, a timer for all your decisions. In streaming mode, it takes out that timer, so you can take as long as you want. You can put a poll oh, in chat. You can do okay. all that stuff to allow your chat to help you make the decision. And so it's a perfect game for streaming. It's a really entertaining That's, game. That, that, that actually, that and House of Ashes, I think, in what order, I don't know, we'll get to them, but I think those might be the next two that we play oh hell yeah and dude I, I was talking about this last night uh with my friend yami who i was playing house of ashes with i was talking to her about like how much how much more i want these types of games because i know they're somewhat niche in terms of not everybody is into choose your own adventure games but between house of ashes life is strange bloodshore and like the games we've gotten in the last decade right even the the, the quantic dream stuff detroit become hum human all that stuff I want to see more of these types of games come out because I personally just really love them and I think they're super fun. And I get the feeling that we're not going to see as much of these games from Quantic Dream anymore. And I want I want somebody to take that place. I, I hope it could be super massive, but I want anybody to take that place of, hey, we are the ones that are throwing a bunch of budget into this thing, into a choose-your-own-adventure game because I think there's something there. I know that Quantic Dream has kind of a mixed reputation and Detroit um, Beyond Human ended up getting kind of, you know, a mixed reception. But I actually, one of the things that I liked about it was the same thing that you just mentioned about Bloodshore was that I had no idea until I went back and like did different choices. Mm. It's not just like, oh, like here's basically the same ending, but a different flavor of it. Now this guy's dead. You can go down radically, radically different story paths with Detroit Beyond Human. I thought that was really impressive, you know, because they have to build out all those different versions of it. But you really can like, you know, the, you, you, you like ending A, ending B, ending C or whatever, are like watching three completely different movies. Dude, not like, like the, the director's cut, like slightly different, like 
totally different. And I think that's really cool. That's the argument I give. And we're going to get to the Rover report soon. I know we're 20 minutes into the <laughs> show. But, like, that's the argument I give to, to, to Detroit Become Human. I, like, I, I've never really been a fan of David Cage's writing, per se. But I do enjoy those games. And my, I think Detroit Become Human was the one that opened my eyes to, oh, I like the gameplay. So I called it Beyond Human. So I don't know why I called it. But, yeah, yeah, sorry, Detroit Become Human. Yeah, yeah Detroit Become Human. I actually do like the gameplay. And I know we don't think of these games as gameplay driven. But in the games, the, the gameplay is the choices, right? The gameplay is the walking around and gathering information and making making the informed decisions and doing the QTEs. And I like those stuff. kind of games, the Telltale games, the Quantic Dream games. I, you know, I fucking enjoyed Heavy Rain. Yeah, like they, they don't even have to be super good. I just like this, you know, cinematic stories where I get to make choices. So even something as like as old fashioned as Bloodshot, and it is a very very old fashioned style of game. Again, you're going back like 25 years. You're going back to like Sega CD and the first days. I remember when I was editor in chief of PC Gamer in like the early 90s. We were, we were reviewing these games of like blocky FMV where you would make a left or right choice. And it was very basic. And the, only, the, the blood show, it just seems like, you know, I think like the artistry has gotten better in that, you know, they're coming up with more interesting choices and the production values, you know, and now you're actually looking at like high definition video that's as good as you'd get on a Blu-ray instead of this, you know, kind of blocky pixelated stuff in a little window. But, but you know, beyond that, like the actual, uh, the, the fundamental gameplay approach hasn't changed, but it's still fun. I know they're not oh, yeah. for everyone, but for people like me that just like, like agonizing over choices and stuff, they work, they, they that, that, it still works really well. Oh, yeah. Thank you to our Patreon producers, Pranksy and Blackjack. We're still this early in the show. Uh, today, we're brought to you by Shimagami Tensei 5, Credit Karma, Raycon, and Arcane, but we'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. It's time for some news. We have six stories today. Starting with our number one, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl have leaked early. This is Ethan Gotch at Kotaku. Game Freak's Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl remasters aren't officially out for another two weeks, but some copies of the upcoming Nintendo Switch games have already started appearing out into the wild. Now fans are combing through apparent leaked screenshots and videos for signs of previously unannounced Gen 4 content, including the Battle Frontier and Distortion World areas. As first reported by VGC, a user claiming to, to have an early copy of the game posted about it on the PokeLeaks subreddit. While that user quickly deleted the post, more images and footage have started pouring out online in the past 24 hours since. Earlier today, for example, a YouTube account called PokeMasta uploaded a two-minute video showing off Brilliant Diamond's town map and Pokedex. Another YouTube account, Poiter's Basket, has been uploading footage from the first few gym battles as well as Team Galactic fights. One thing players have noticed is MIDI-sounding music that's, that differs from what's been shown in official trailers. It's unclear if that's an optional setting or placeholder music that will, that will be swapped out in a day one patch. Leaked footage has also revealed new models, poses, and animations for some Pokemon like Bidoof and Murkrow. While players already largely know what's in, in the games since they've been pitched as faithful remakes of the originals, some also suspect they'll contain bonus content that Nintendo hasn't revealed yet uh, in, in the recent marketing. The potential biggest prizes would be the inclusion of the Battle Frontier and Distortion World from Pokemon Platinum. Some footage has already been removed from YouTube, as Nintendo has in the past been aggressive at trying to stamp out leaks, especially when it comes to Pokemon. Back in 2019, Nintendo hired an outside firm specializing in forensics to track down the source of Pokemon Sword and Shield leaks. The leakers were eventually tracked down, taken to court, and forced, forced by Nintendo's lawyers to pay a $150,000 settlement as well as legal fees. Gary, where do you stand with video game leaks like this? I'm not, you know, I'm not a fan of leaks in general. I, I generally, you know, because I know there's like some Spider-Man leak stuff happening this week as well, and stuff leaks out all the time. And I leak get it. Leaks. There's, there's, there's a big, you know, market out there. It's, you know, le leaks have a high commodity. You know, I worked in the Star Wars universe for a long time, where you know, there's a reason why we had all that security because there's like there's a massive market out there that the, these leaks have a high currency people just want to see stuff early even if it's like shitty quality even if it's like you know it's like a paparazzi type long lens picture first look at a costume for me i would rather let, let's say for example like a superhero costume i would rather my my first look at you know a new superhero costume or like the new bat suit or whatever it's going to be i would rather that be like a proper photograph the way that the studio and the director wanted me to see it rather than some like like fuzzy shot that someone you know kind of shot with their iphone 
from across the street or whatever. But that's me. I, the, 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 the currency for these leaks is never going to go away. I do think it's unfortunate. I think it often undermines the, 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 the intentions of the creators, people that make films, television, video games, any kind of art, work really, really hard to kind of present this stuff to you. Like when they, they work up to a whole strategy of, and here's how we're going to reveal it to the world in a way that it's going to give maximum impact and really kind of show off all the work we put into this in the best possible way. So when somebody jumps the gun and gets out ahead of that with like a shitty leak, it undermines that. And I, I know it can be really deflating for people that work in the development teams and then the creative teams of these projects. Like, ah, oh, fuck, we worked so hard to like make this a cool reveal and this is how it gets, someone someone undercuts us and this is how it gets out. What a bummer. It is a bummer. Yeah, I think these these leaks right here are the worst types of leaks where we're a couple weeks out from the game and the things that are leaking aren't necessarily things that are big and newsworthy right these aren't like hey this x studio is is has started development on the next bioshock or the next half-life or something that is a piece of news that is going to serve as fans in a way that right. you know might take a little bit away from the actual announcement but not in a way that does everybody a disservice right but like, like the I, actual material yeah that's a, yeah that's a different thing the fact that the the games are out there and people are just uploading the images of like different Pokemon poses and uh, uploading footage of like gym battles and all the, all the things that I think come with the excitement of being able to get your hands on the game for the first time and play it through and go, oh man, like I get to experience this for the first time or re-experience this for the first time or see everything in real time as opposed to scrolling through Twitter and seeing leaks pop up on your timeline. I do think that sucks. Uh, I think like in, in terms of leaks overall, I think there is a range to them and there's like a gray area there that I don't have a hard stance on. I think there are leaks that are good leaks. I think there are leaks like this one that are bad leaks. And I think there are leaks in between that we can have a conversation about whether certain things are necessary or certain things like, do we need to have E3 leaks a week beforehand that like are the, are the, the drop of the trailer of the game that's about to come out? I think that that is more of a discussion than a either or kind of thing. But yeah, these kind of kind of leaks suck. With with Pokemon in particular, though, and I, I, I'm going to try really hard not to sound condescending here, but I'm sure I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do that anyway anyway despite my best efforts mm. all i can do is be a little bit amused by it first of all these are as my as i understand these are remakes of older games yes. right so i'm not quite i'm not sure like how substantial these leaks can really be right because they're just reinterpretations remakes of things that we've everyone's in the pokemon universe already knows about but aside from that i don't know i mean these are games for little kids man like my, my daughter's almost 10 years old and she doesn't talk about about pokemon ne nearly as much as she used to because she's aging out of it She's almost 10 years old. And so to see like grown ass men getting bent out of shape about Pokemon leaks, I don't know. I just find it kind of funny. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting when people pick apart these types of leaks, uh, because I, I think that's been a, a big thing that's been going on on social media and on Reddit and forums, and all these things. People look at the leaks and they look at the things that they may uh, um, that, that they'll say are missing from the game or things that uh, that are in the game and they judge the game based on that as opposed to judging the game based on the final product that they actually have their hands on. And I know Pokemon fans can be very split because there's a lot of, I, I think it was Imran, I think Imran Khan was the one that mentioned this on Twitter that the Pokemon fan base is an interesting one because there are essentially eight generations between all the different game releases of Pokemon fans that have touched the game in different ways and have different expectations for what that game is going to include or what a new Pokemon game should include. And so because you have so many different fractured expectations, it is so difficult to please everybody at the same time because people just have a have wildly different ideas for what this thing should be. In terms of this leak, right, it seems like the biggest things, at least <clears throat> on a news level, are the Battle Frontier and the Distortion World areas. And the Battle Frontier, I believe, is like the um, like the Pokemon Tower uh, after you beat the game where you just go through and do a bunch of rooms of Pokemon battles. And then the Distortion World, I believe, is like a dungeon-type area for Pokemon, which, you know, those are cool things. And I think those were the unexpected things that came in this game because with these Pokemon remakes, Nintendo often does put things in here and there that may may have been different from the original games or maybe bonus content or maybe co content that came on later uh in the franchise that you want that they want to implement in this earlier game because people liked it stuff like that i think is ex it can be excited exciting to like see and check out uh and get hype for but if those are meant to be surprises i feel like those no you know and surprises you're right and even as i'm listening to you and i'm thinking about like what i just said like i, I even as even i was I, I, I really didn't mean to sound condescending like if you look like, people should love mm -hmm. what they love you know there's all kinds of stuff that's primarily aimed at kids that i still really enjoy like bluey is one of my favorite shows on television that's for little kids um and so and i think there is a nostalgic you know pokemon's been around for a long enough time now that a lot of grow a lot, a lot of adults who are playing it are playing it because they played it since they were little kids and it, it reconnects to their inner child 
And you know, they are they are good games. They're well designed games. People enjoy them. And I think if any if anything excites you or excites your inner child or makes you feel like a kid again, or you just derive any kind of joy from it, whatever your age is or whatever, people shouldn't mock you for that. Mm. Um, and you should enjoy what you enjoy. Apart from King Kingdom Hearts fans, there's no fucking exactly. excuse for that under any circumstances. We had to mention that. Yeah, no, Kingdom Hearts, get out of here. But I mean, to your point, Gary, I'm somebody who is very I'm looking forward to playing Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. Like I cannot wait to get my hands on this because this is my this is gonna be my first time playing this generation specifically that said i look at these leaks and i can probably look through all of these leaks and none of none of it is going to affect me because i have zero expectation in terms of what i think a pokemon game needs right i'm just here to play pokemon i'm just here to catch them all and have a good time and i think the i'm to the point you're making in terms of the type of game that pokemon is the i think the salient point there is the fact that it isn't an, it isn't like a Star Wars game, right? It isn't like a uh, Last of Us. It isn't a game. And I mean, we can compare it directly to the Last of Us leak because the Last of Us literally leaked. The Last of Us Part Two leak was disastrous because story yeah. stuff was coming out all over the place. There were, of course, big, st- big story moments that happened in that game. And there was conversation around that. And people had to try their hardest to avoid that. With Pokemon leak, nobody really cares about Pokemon on a... St- let, me, let me back up a little bit. People don't care about Pokemon, I guess, as comparative to something like Last of Us in terms of the story moments of Pokemon. I'm sure there are plenty of people out there that are like, hey, I want my story. Hey, like, I, I look forward to the story and that's whatever. But And that's, and, and, and by the way, that's the other side of it, Blessing. I was talking earlier about mm-hmm. how, like, it affects, it affects the development team. And I remember when that Last of Us leak happened, like, you know, Drunkman and all the Naughty Dog people were really bummed out about that. They didn't want that shit to get out that way. And, but but mm-hmm. it's also a bummer for us, right? There are people out there that are interested in leaks and want to see everything as soon as they can find it. Um, but then there's people like us, certainly like me, who, again, I want to experience this the right way. I don't want to see it ahead mm-hmm. of time. I don't want to be spoiled. I don't like spoilers. I don't like leaks. And then and we, but we live in a culture now where, you know, everyone's kind of muting like 50 different hashtags trying to, you know, kind of dodge all these leaks that are coming at them through social media. And you'll still, and you'll still find some way to like get screwed over. Like, oh man, I, I, I muted 50 different hashtags, but there was like one thing that still got through the net and now I've seen it and you can't unsee it. And that's spoiled for me now. And it's a, it's a bummer. I, I think that leaks service far fewer people than they, than they spoil things for, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So the number of people that are really interested in leaks and, and that culture and that currency are far outweighed by people who are like, you know what, just I, I want to see it when under the right circumstances, when it's time to see it, don't spoil me. I want to experience this the right way. The Last of Us one, I remember being really unfortunate. But that's just one oh, of many yeah. examples. Oh, yeah. Gary, I want to hop into story number two, but before I do, I want to remind everybody out there that they can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny games where they can get the show ad free. And speaking of ads, let us tell you about our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Arcane, a Netflix original series from the creators of League of Legends. Arcane is a nine episode, three part series that follows the story of two young girls, Vi and Powder, born in the undercity beneath Pilt Over. Their eagerness to prove themselves will set in motion a series of events that will take the relationship to its breaking point and transform them forever. This is going to be the animation event of the year, and you can catch champions we know and love like never before, and their story will all intertwine in this action-packed series. Whether you're a longtime league player or brand new to Runeterra, Arcane is a great way to get to know the vast world and origins of iconic characters of League of Legends. Uh, dive into the stories behind one of the most played games of all time. Every once in a while, I think about that and it blows my mind. Uh, discover the secrets of Pelt Over and its Undercity and prepare for the epic battle that is only just beginning. Arcane is now streaming exclusively on Netflix. Next up, shout out to Credit Karma. Is it time for a big change? If you're thinking about home renovations or finally paying down those old credit card bills, Credit Karma can help find a loan that works for you. Whether you're refinancing credit card debt or paying for an upcoming expense, Credit Karma uses your credit data to show you fresh personal loan offers that are personalized just for you. It's totally free and easy to sign up for a Credit Karma account with no effect on your credit score. On Credit Karma, you can check out multiple loan offers side by side with easy to compare estimated terms to make sure you get the best deal. And once you've got a loan, Credit Karma will help you track your progress as you pay off your debt and even let you know if you can refinance and save. If you're ready to apply, you should head over to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to see personalized offers with your approval odds right now. Go to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to find the right loan for you. 
That's creditkarma.com slash loan offers. Next up, shout out to Shin Megami Tensei 5. It's the newest installment in the acclaimed JRPG series developed by Atlas. You play as a high school student who is suddenly transported from modern day Tokyo to a post-apocalyptic world. Granted a cursed power to save his life, the protagonist becomes a new being, neither human nor demon. Uh, Nahobino. So there you go. Explore the demon-infested wasteland of an enigmatic realm known as Da'at, filled with mythical deities and demonic tyrants in constant conflict for survival. Search for answers and forge your own path in a battle between light and dark. Your choices will dictate the fate of the world. Turn formidable foes into worthy allies by recruiting them, then fuse them to create demons customized to your playstyle. Shin Megami Tensei 5 has been fully rendered in 3D, a first for the mainline Shin Megami Tensei series. Uh, Shin Megami Tensei 5 is out now. Now you can check out the digital, deluxe, and standard editions on the Nintendo eShop or by clicking in the link in the description. And finally, shout out to Raycon. It's never too early to start holiday shopping, especially not when you can save big on a gift that they'll use every day, like the Raycon wireless earbuds. Uh, my brother's been using these. He's been training for his marathon, and he's been jamming with the Raycons. With seamless Bluetooth pairing and a comfortable noise-isolating fit, you can start listening easily and keep listening for hours. The audio quality is just as good as a bunch of the other premium brands, but at half the price. Uh, their new everyday earbuds come with three new sound profiles to make sure everything you're listening to sounds its best. Pure, more balanced mode, and bass mode. And with eight hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life, you can't lose. Go to buyraycon.com KFGD today to unlock exclusive deals up to 20% off your Raycon order. But hurry, this offer is available only for a limited time and you don't want to miss it. That's buyraycon.com KFGD to unlock up to 20% off your Raycons. Buyraycon.com KFGD. I like and this season. I like back. this much better than first season. Sorry. We talked about Demon Slayer during the break. Yeah, I think the cut, the ad cut early, and so the people got some good Demon yeah, Slayer. Yeah, I miscalculated. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hey, I had a timer going. You know, it happens. You know, if, that, you can make, if you can make a note for like a post edit, we can we can figure that out later. But for now. Let's talk about story number two. Is the next Sonic game open world? Uh, I'm pulling from Andy Robinson at VGC, who puts in, put up an article yesterday after we actually talked about this a little bit on KFGD. Because if you remember, if you listen to yesterday's uh, uh, KFGD, the new story there was that Sega had uh, uh, trademarked Sonic Frontiers. Coming off of that, uh, we now have this write-up from Andy Robinson. That is, Sega's Sonic Frontiers trademark seemingly corroborates open world claims. The article reads like this. Sega has filed a trademark for Sonic Frontiers, which looks likely to be the name of the next mainline entry in this flagship series. The Japanese trademark for Sonic Frontiers was filled late last month, a listing on the country's trademark body has revealed. The timing may be significant, as the trademark was filed after it was claimed online that the next entry in the series would be called Sonic Frontiers and feature an open-world setup. In May, Sega teased plans to release a new mainline Sonic game in 2022 for PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Based on metadata referencing files used in the production of Sega's teaser trailer, it was previously suggested that the new series entry would be called Sonic Rangers. However, on, on October 17th, several days before Sega's trademarks were filed, an anonymous leaker claimed via Reddit that the name of the game had been changed to Sonic Frontiers. They also said it would be an open-world game similar in style to The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Sonic Team head Takashi Lizuka uh, has said he'd like the game to have the same lasting impact as Sonic Adventure. In a Sonic Stadium interview published in June, the franchise's creative officer said he hoped the upcoming game would provide the building blocks for the future Sonic titles for many years to come. Gary, does the idea of an open-world Sonic game do anything for you? Um, I would, I would reserve judgment on that until I, until I knew more about how it's being implemented because I don't know. It's like, we got to a point where like open world is just kind of like a catch all term for like every like open, I get it. Open world's so hot right now. Everything's open world. Um, you know, Forza Horizon, you know, is, is predicated entirely on, you know, everyone's playing that right now. I've been playing for the last week, open world. It's huge. There's so many th things to do. I I don't know I like I just remember like I remember like with the Burnout games when Burnout went open world with Burnout Paradise that's mm -hmm. when I actually started to tune out a little bit I just kind of feel like the experience is almost less curated when it becomes open world I like the fact that you can go anywhere and do whatever you want but like I'm playing Forza right now and honestly I find it a little bit overwhelming just how open world it is like there's oh, yeah. so much to do there are so many fucking choices that I almost you, get you, that you, kind of 
you I finish one that, event and then unlock a bunch of others. And it's like I get that same out. kind of paralysis that I get when I'm scrolling through Netflix. There's so many fucking things to watch. It's impossible to pick one thing. And the game is, hey, Gary, hey, Gary, hey, Gary, hey, Gary. Every fucking five seconds, you want to do this, you want to do that. I'm driving down the road. You want to spin a fucking uh, 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 fruit machine wheel? Want to do this, want to do that? And go over here and go over there. Like, fucking just let me go somewhere. Just let me pick one thing. And so I don't know, I, it gets to a point where open world games, I think, can get a little bit overwhelming with how much they throw at you and how much just choice you have sometimes i just want like a more curated experience like the game's telling me go do this now go do that now now you're gonna do this race now you do that race I, I, that that's kind of like a more old-fashioned formula but sometimes i just want the game to kind of be designed for me and tell me what it wants me to do next and i'll go do that thing uh there's very very different schools of thought on this and they think you know the, the open mm. world is not good or bad it's how do you implement the open world and we know that because we've seen good open worlds and bad open worlds and good implementations and bad implementations. So something like Sonic, I could certainly see how it could work. Um, but again, I'll, I'll, I'll reserve judgment on it until I see how they actually implement it and execute mm. it. But I don't think that like open world is just necessary. is a necessary evolution of every kind of game. Like I agree. games eventually have to go open world, Sonic game, platform games, they all eventually have to go open world. You have to look at the kind of game and what's the foundation of the universe and the character and the world that you have and ask yourself, is an open world um, execution appropriate for this particular game? It's not yep. inevitable in every, in every case. And that, that last sentence right there is exactly why I look at this and I go, Huh, do I want this? Is this something that that gets me excited? Because <laughs> I I love Sonic, as you know, Gary, and as many people know. I also love Breath of the Wild. And I, here's my thing. I do this all the time, and I am probably the world's biggest culprit when it comes to this because I'm Breath of the Wild's number one fan. I stay in Breath of the Wild. It's my favorite game of all time. We got to stop comparing every single open world game to Breath of the Wild because a Sonic the Hedgehog open world game is not going to be anything like Breath of the Wild. That doesn't make sense. How the world? How in the world do you do that? I think the the way that this would make sense is if you have a Sonic game that is something more akin to like Mario Odyssey, where it is open levels and you're going through and you're collecting chaos emeralds or golden rings or something along those lines i think that could make sense and that could be exciting i like the idea of a sonic game that is uh, oh thank you bear for bringing up this this infamous photo uh which is us in the sonic outfits a a sonic game that is about exploration and is about discovery and is about all right cool like let me go look behind this tree over here oh cool i got a golden ring or let me go do this like mini obstacle course that was that was created over here right something along the lines of what mario odyssey does for the, their levels makes sense and even mario odyssey is that's not an open world game right that's a game that is decided that is divided by uh, uh levels that has open levels and open level design but like that makes sense for this type of game. I don't know if I necessarily want a 3D platformer like Sonic to be fully open world because I just don't think that makes sense. I like the idea that they are thinking about Sonic in a bigger and better way. I like the idea that they are shifting what Sonic the Hedgehog is and trying to figure out what the next step for it is. I love the idea that uh, uh, Takashi Lizuka from the, the Sonic team said that he wants this game to have the lasting impact of Sonic Adventure. Those are all the things that I want to hear from the folks behind Sonic uh, for, for a franchise that has been struggling a lot over the years, right? Yeah. <clears throat> you never know what you're going to get with Sonic the Hedgehog. It's like, it's a, it, Sonic the Hedgehog is the box of chocolates of video games, of, of franchises. Yeah, that's the thing. I kind of feel like over the years, Sonic has been, it's become such an omnipresent franchise you know, and, and such an omnipresent character that it really that, that it's been shoehorned into every kind of like what what particular genre has, has has not been checked like fucking survival horror actually i would fucking love that that would be survival sick. horror sonic game that i would fucking sign up for <laughs> run run like, from the horror but you know 2d 3d you know fucking pinball you know yeah. they've, they've there's done, a sonic fighting done, game there's sonic done, racing games multiple of them fucking you know, match three game puzzles they've He's been done, to the olympics they've done everything so it makes so i guess it kind of it, it's depressing but i guess it's going to make sense that like you know open world is just like the next box they need to check and again knowing what we know about kind of the underpinnings of the sonic universe and the gameplay style i don't think open world is inherently like oh i don't see how that would fit sure it could fit if you do it right but let's wait and see exactly uh gary let's keep talking about how 3d platformers can further expand with story number three miyamoto wants the next 3d mario game to further expand the series this is chris scolian at video games chronicle 
Shigeru Miyamoto has stated that Nintendo wants to f- expand further when developing the next 3D Mario game. Speaking during a Q&A following the publication of its latest financial results last week, Miyamoto said that the success of Super Mario Odyssey had made it clear that the company was succeeding in its attempt to make 3D Mario games playable by a larger audience. When asked about the differences between 2D and 3D Mario games, Miyamoto explained that the new Super Mario Brothers series was designed to create a Mario game that was accessible to players of all skill levels because the 3D games weren't at the time. Quote, let me explain by describing the background for the development of the Wii game, New Super Mario Bros. Wii, which was released in 2009, Miyamoto said. He continues, quote, At the time, it felt like each, each time we created a new installment in the Super Mario series, which by then had expanded into 3D, it became more complicated. After the release of Super Mario Galaxy in 2007, the goal was to develop a more accessible 3D Super Mario game, and the result was New Super Mario Bros. Wii, a basic side-scrolling Super Mario game that even new players could easily play. That later led to the release of the even simpler Super Mario Run game, a mobile application released in 2016. When we develop software, we strive to incorporate new elements, but at the same time, we want to make it easy for even first-time players to have fun. Recently, people of all generations have been enjoying the the 3D Mario game Super Mario Odyssey released in 2017. So for 3D Mario going forward, we want to try to we want to try expanding further in new ways, end quote. With nearly 22 million titles sold to date, Super Mario Odyssey is the best-selling 3D Mario game by a significant margin. The second best-selling is Super Mario Galaxy with sales of 12.8 million Gary, did, did how much did you like uh, Super Mario Odyssey when that came out in 2017? And are I, you looking for, further to the are, are you looking forward to the idea of them further expanding? It's 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 close to, if not tied, uh, for my favorite Mario game next to Super Mario Galaxy. Mm. I, I I thought Odyssey was was fantastic. Yeah, and it's interesting to to kind of think about the kind of historical evolution of the of the Mario series, and I'm very in, very interested and intrigued by what. Uh, Miyamoto is saying here in terms of like taking the next you know step in terms of its evolution um you know it's it's been the the history of the Mario franchise has been this kind of cross between you know evolution and revolution right you know the two we had the original kind of 2d Mario games and they got better and more interesting Super Mario Brothers Mario 3 Mario World and they got more and they and they they basically got better and better at refining the 2d you know play style Mm -hmm. and then Miyamoto completely revolutionized it with Super Mario 64, right, and reinvented what a Mario game could be. And then ever since then, they've been evolving that, right? Sunshine, um, Galaxy, Odyssey, they're basically the same essential kind of 3D quasi-open world play style that they, that they introduced with Mario 64. They're just getting better and better and better at it. And Odyssey represents kind of like the latest kind of refinement of that evolution. But what me, but maybe what Miyamoto's thinking about and hinting at, I mean, I can't really say because I don't have his fucking galaxy brain. I wish I was fucking one tenth as the genius that he is. But what he might be thinking of now is like, okay, so we had, we invented Mario, we, we evolved it to a, to a, to a fine, to a fine point, And then we completely revolutionized it with Super Mario 64. And we've evolved that to the finest point. What next is, what is the next revolution? And I can't even imagine what that might be, but maybe that's what Miyamoto is is hinting at here. Yeah, I think this makes sense for Miyamoto. I think this is the way they think about all their games, all their major games at the very least. With Mario, with 3D Mario, there's always some kind of innovation or gimmick thrown in to try and try and make it either more palpable or more interesting and that's the thing i like a lot about nintendo and the way they they design their games whenever they're creating a new big mario game i think they're always asking the question what is going to take this a step further or what is going to take this a step aside what is going to separate this from the others even with something like super mario galaxy and super mario galaxy 2 galaxy 2 had enough there that i would call that an innovation over uh, mario galaxy 1 i won't say like one is better than the other but like the addition of yoshi adds a lot to that game uh turning like the the uh, hub area into like a ship and uh, having it be more of a like course selection style thing like that is a shift that they didn't necessarily need to do people loved mario galaxy 1 they could have just made another mario galaxy Galaxy one and just add added more levels and didn't they didn't need to like do much to it to make people go okay cool yeah i want more of this i love this but even with that uh like incremental uh uh entry into that series they still did enough there that i would say makes it stand out uh uh, in terms of what the mechanics are and then you get get into things like super mario uh odyssey which is a big step and 
you know, given what Miyamoto is saying here about trying to further expand and the the popularity of Super Mario Odyssey and how that is making them look towards the next 3D Mario and figure out how to make that uh, uh, palpable to even more people. I wouldn't even be surprised if the, the 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 answer was Super Mario Odyssey 2, but with a new gimmick or some kind of thing added in to make it stand out and make it even more interesting than Mario Odyssey 1. Uh, I'm, to, I'm, I'm totally down for this. I love that the numbers are... Uh, like I, I love that the numbers for Mario Odyssey are uh, actually really good compared to the previous 3D Mario games. It's not the biggest surprise because the Switch is such a popular uh, platform, but I think for Nintendo, they look at that 22 million uh, copies sold number and they go, cool, we can we can like continue to to put these out at a regular regular pace. We don't have to wait as long between 3D Mario games. We can continue to give people what they what they want, and this makes sense for us on a business level to keep putting these things out at a regular regular pace. Which I, I just has me excited. I, I just think that Miyamoto is thinking in a more visionary and forward thinking way than just you know okay what's what's the next gimmick we can bolt onto odyssey like what's the next way that we refine that again mm-hmm. i go back to mario 64 i remember i was editor-in-chief of pc gamer back in the day when super mario 64 we had next generation magazine was was next door to us and they did the console games and i remember the day it came in and i heard this commotion like oh my god oh my god so i go what is that i went over there to see what it was and everyone was crowded around the nintendo 64 watching someone play super mario 64 and everyone's minds were fucking blown by it because nobody saw that coming. Nobody even imagined that that reinvention into a 3D world was even possible or something that would be the next logical step. Like Nintendo came out of nowhere and fucking blew everyone away with how amazing that they reinvented the Neo. Up up until then, no one really thought beyond like, you know, Mario is a 2D world the side-scrolling world and then it it was a complete and utter reinvention and it worked so well and it was so brilliant that we were just so blown away nobody saw it coming and so what i want to believe is that what 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 miyamoto's got his eye on now is that next thing what's the next what's the next revolutionary evolution of the mario gameplay world that when we see it we go holy fuck who could have seen this coming did you you play bowser's fury uh yes i liked it do you think that is a hint toward the next Mario game? Because that was the one that shifted. I mean, we talk about open world platform, right? That was literally an open world 3D platformer in the way that that I, I'm, I, I was talking about a little bit with Sonic and how I don't necessarily know if I want that. They figured that out and actually made it work and actually really liked Bowser's Fury. I thought Bowser's Fury was a really cool idea and it felt almost like a test bed for we can go further with this. We can implement this in our next game. Do you think there's something there or do you think Bowser's Fury was just Bowser's Fury? It's it's locked in DLC for this other game. I mean, the the thing that's interesting about Bowser's Fury and Mario Maker and all these other things that they, they're always they're, they are always like exploring something different you know mario is their mickey mouse like it's their core franchise they they know they can sell mario games all day long and they could very much rest on their laurels and just put out you know 2d and 3d mario games uh, you know uh, the uh, refinements of of, of the, the the kind of the base gameplay foundations that we have forever and they can make a lot of money but again i don't think miyamoto's satisfied with that i his mm-hmm. i i think miyamoto has got like one big magic trick left it's like this is made the romantic in me this is what i want to oh man i want to believe that miyamoto's got one big magic trick left in his bag before he retires because you know he's going to retire one of these days he's getting older like you know he's got nothing left to prove right one of the probably one of the true ultimate legends of the video game industry and he's going to be enshrined in the hall of fame for all time like he's number one and so he's got nothing left to prove. But the, the thing about like super genius types like that who are like compelled to like keep creating and keep finding the next frontier is that even though he's got nothing left to prove, he's going to fucking do it anyway. And I think that there is, I, again, it's the romantic in me speaking. I just want to believe that there is one more thing where we go, holy shit, he's fucking done it again. And then that'll, so, and, then, and then he'll go sit on a beach somewhere, and he's earned I hope it. So yeah, I, mean, I I just got so excited off of you just saying that alone. Like I'm thinking <laughs> about it. I'm like, man, what if he did have another Mario 64 in him, right? Or what if he had another like all time classic game in him that he that he drops in one of the franchises that we love? I hope so. I yeah. hope so. Yeah. Gary, I'm going to uh, go through these next few stories quickly because we are late in the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so story number four, Deathloop's director has been appointed as the new head of Arcane Leon. This is Tom Ivan at Video Games Chronicle. The co-director of Deathloop has been appointed as Arcane Leon's new studio head. Dinga Bakaba uh, took on the role of studio director at the company in October following the departure of former head Romwald Caprone. Uh, Bakaba has also retained his position at, as Arcane Leon's co-creative director, a role he shares with Deathloop co- co-director and studio art director 
director Sebastian Mitten. Arcane Leon's new studio had joined the developer in November 2010. He's credited as a designer and producer on Dishonored and its DLCs, as lead designer on Dishonored 2 and Death of the Outsider, and as game director on Wolfenstein Youngblood. Bakaba's pre predecessor, Caprone, stepped down in October shortly after the launch of the studio's latest game, the critically acclaimed Deathloop, and seven months after Arcane's parent company, ZeniMax Media, was acquired by Microsoft. So big congratulations to D uh, Dinga. That is awesome. And like D Dinga seems awesome too. Like I've, I've watched plenty of his, of his interviews. I've seen him on Twitter. I follow him on Twitter and he seems like a delight whenever I see him pop up. And so big congrats there. Story number five, the Tomorrow Children is making a return. This is Daniel Robins, uh, Robson at IGN. Five years after its October 2016 release as a free-to-play game on PS4 and subsequent shutdown 13 months later, The Tomorrow Children is set to return. Q Games, the Kyoto-based indie developer behind the game, has acquired the rights from, Sony from publisher Sony Interactive Entertainment, returning The Tomorrow Children IP to the creator Dylan Cuthbert and his team. During a rare private server gameplay video in September 2021, Q Games CEO and founder Cuthbert told IGN Japan that he hoped to acquire the rights and re-release the Tomorrow Children if Sony would allow it. A small but vocal audience has called for its return since public servers were closed in November 2017, rendering the game unplayable. And Cuthbert says it, uh, says it was this dedication from fans that convinced him to pursue negotiations with Sony over the rights. Quote, I'd like to thank, first and foremost, the fans of The Tomorrow Children, without whom I would, ne I would never have had the confidence to keep pursuing the deal, Cuthbert said in an announcement today. He continues, Our fans are some of the most amazing gamers out there, and every day for the past four years, they have kept the dream alive. I think the happiest thing about this decision is imagining the, the enjoyment those fans will feel as they re-enter the crazy post-apocalyptic neo-Soviet world of The Tomorrow Children. Secondly, I'd like to thank Sony Interactive Entertainment for also working with me to have the IP returned to Q Games. It has taken a concerted effort by all of us to get, this, get to this ultimate step, and I'm full of gratitude to everyone involved in the process, end quote. The Tomorrow Children was an online-only multiplayer experience in which players collaborated to build towns, farm resources, and protect the world from attackers, all set in a surreal Soviet-infected post-apocalypse. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop there. There's more to the article. Go to IGN if you want to check out more and get more uh, uh, context for it. But, Gary, did you ever play or were you ever familiar with the Tomorrow Children? No, but it sounds cool, and I just want to say in general, fair play to the developers to... Um for getting it back it's one of the hard it's a very very hard thing to do from a legal you know financial standpoint whatever that once you sell the rights to something to a big company getting it back can be very very difficult to do and it can be very expensive and those negotiations can be very hard so mm -hmm. fair play to them for like navigating that maze and, and getting it back it's it's a very very hard thing to do but i understand why companies like the developers like this want to do it it can be heartbreaking like you you sell the rights to something to a big company in the hope that that will represent like the next step you know he's going to take your game to the next level but it doesn't always happen right sometimes the, those big companies will buy a game and they won't fully support it they're just going to stick it on a shelf and not really get behind it and now you're stuck oh man i worked really really hard to like develop this thing that i that i love it's my creation sold it to this company and now they're just like doing nothing with it that's kind of heartbreaking like give it back to me i'll do something with it but again it's not always easy to 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 get the company to kind of let it revert to you so well well done to them and i hope i hope they're able to you know do more with it than sony was apparently willing to do yeah yeah i think this is awesome you know the tomorrow children was one that i never had a big interest in i would always see the trailers and go oh that has a cool art style but i don't know if this, if this game this game is necessarily for me and i think it having a small player base probably spoke to the fact that it just wasn't that widely uh like people weren't widely excited about it right it was this playstation first party game that came out didn't really make waves i think people just looked at it and went what is this and kind of moved on from it uh it so it makes sense that it went away but i do think that it is awesome to your point gary that the creator can go to sony and go hey can i have this back like can you give this back to me can we make a deal so i can actually do something with this because i care about this and it reminds me of when uh square enix and io interactive split and square enix let io interactive have hitman like that is not a thing that companies usually do right i think the the move for big companies like that is to Keep, hold on to an IP that they that they believe is valuable, and I know the tomorrow. Yeah, the, I mean, the tomorrow even, people isn't necessarily or tomorrow children isn't necessarily a valuable IP, but any IP can be valuable, right? Like that is something that usually you keep in your pocket. Here's the thing: it's it's hard. It, it, the reason why one of the reasons why I think it's hard to do is even if a, a company like Sony doesn't believe that a particular property that they own has a lot of potential, which is why they're letting it sit on a shelf. 
they don't want to give it back to someone else in case if they then go have a big hit with it that yeah. makes sony look bad so like, oh, mm. you didn't you didn't you, you weren't able to kind of have the vision for this game that we were then able to go do sold it to another company and, and they you know it's, it's always embarrassing like you know all the publishers that turned down harry potter or all the actors that turned down neo in the matrix like oh man why couldn't i see what someone else saw there was big potential there and we let it you know, go across the street and someone else had a big hit with it after we turned it down. That makes the people that turned it down look bad. So there's there there is some there is some risk associated um, for for Sony and companies like that when they when they let something revert because um, you know there there the, the, there's some kind of reputational risk involved. So good for them for for doing it. Hell yeah. Let's round out with story number six. Uh, one of my favorite things to do on this show is to, like find a, a new game or a trailer that drops that makes me go, oh shit, I didn't know about this before and not many people, it, it's, this, this came out of nowhere, let's share it with the audience. And yesterday a trailer dropped for a game a game called Lives of P, which looks really cool. And so Barrett, I have the trailer if you want to pull it up, but you can play without sound and I'll read through a story Lesson. that is pulled from Wesley Yin. I need to remind you. I need to remind you. You never need to tell me when to pull up. I got See, it, buddy. Barry, I'm not even saying it for you at this point. I'm saying it, I'm saying it for the audio listeners to tell them to hey come watch okay, the video right, version right. because hey there's a trailer playing right now and this trailer is then, dope. then talk to them buddy talk all right them. listen audio <laughs> listeners come to the video the the trailer for this game is dope uh again the game is called lies of p i'm gonna pull an article from wesley and at eurogamer who kind of breaks down a little bit what this game is lies of p looks like bloodborne with pinocchio as the playable character published by neowiz and developed by round eight studio lies of p has a brutal and dark world and the kind of action role-playing gameplay established by from software's soul series it's it's inspired by the classic italian novel pinocchio from carlo colodi uh and is set in in the once beautiful city of Kratz. Uh, you fight, quote, hideous and twisted automatons as P searches for Mr. Geppetto and works to reverse the calamity that has befallen Krat. Round 8 Studio is the developer of Bless Unleashed, which launched on consoles last year and PC this year. Lies of P is its second title. Uh, expect a release on PC and consoles. There's no release window, but this one looks like it's worth keeping an eye on. And I agree. This trailer, I, somebody, for me, as somebody who recently got super into Bloodborne, and I, Bloodborne is at this point probably one of my favorite games, top 30 at this point. I, I watching this trailer, I immediately I was pulled in. I was like, "Oh shit, this looks really good. The combat looks really slick. The character animations look a lot like Bloodborne character animations." But I love the idea that it is adapted from the original classic Pinocchio story, and you are playing as Pinocchio, and it has like this dark, brutal tone to it. I'm in love with it. It's Jerry, a dark this is doing and it for you. It's a dark and gritty Pinocchio in the style of Bloodborne. I mean, th- I mean that'll get your attention, right? Oh that's, yeah, that's, that's, that got my attention immediately. I got my attention immediately. It sounds it sounds cool. It looks super dope. And yeah, it kind of it's kind of come out of nowhere. And so like I can't wait to like keep up with updates on this one and see if the final game pans out as being actually like really good. I I I really hope it is. But Gary, the release of Lies of P is probably just so far away. And mm-hmm. I want to know what's coming out to Mom Drop Shops today. Where would I look? The official list of upcoming software on each and every platform as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily show host each and every weekday. Yeah. Out today, we got Airborne Kingdom for PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X, Xbox One, and Switch. Disney Classic Games Collection for PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Football Manager for twenty uh, Football Manager 2022 for Xbox One and PC. Forza Horizon 5 for Xbox Series X, Xbox One, and PC. Jurassic World Evolution 2 for PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X, Xbox One, and PC. Blue Reflections Second Light for Switch. And then My Singing Monsters Playground for Switch. We've got an NVIDIA GeForce update for you remember that we've partnered with nvidia to keep you updated on all the latest geforce rtx additions to your favorite games from ray tracing to nvidia dlss to nvidia reflex nvidia dlss is now accelerating performance with uncompromised image quality in over 120 games and apps with even more being added every month including jurassic world evolution 2 uh, remember that is out now accelerate performance by up to 60 percent at 4k with max settings enabled using nvidia dlss you can also play jurassic world evolution 2 at launch via geforce now nvidia cloud gaming service uh, geforce now gives your low-end rig power to play jurassic world evolution 2 with nvidia dlss streaming from the cloud new dates for you breakwaters launch has been delayed to december 9th uh, we do have a deal of the day the pc version of assassin's creed chronicles trilogy is currently free to download on ubisoft connect so you can get that whole trilogy for free on pc again go to the ubisoft website or the ubisoft connect app to get that 
Now it's time to squad up. Remember, you can go to patreon.com slash games where you can get the show ad-free and you can ride in with your squad ups just like Adam F. did. Adam F. wrote in with a squad up on Xbox and says, I recently managed to acquire an Xbox Series X in anticipation for the hype uh, first-party games coming this year. Today, Forza Horizon 5 is released for Game Pass members and I am so stoked to speed through the gorgeous Mexican landscape. My friends list is a little sparse, so I'd love to fill it up with some kind of funny best friends. Please feel free to add me uh, at watson001 that is w-a-t-s zero n zero zero one uh so we can smash each other's times and records all the best adam f go squad up have a great time playing forza horizon 5 now it's time for kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong where you write in and let us know what we got wrong as we got it wrong so we can correct our fellows watching later on youtube and listening later on podcast services around the globe nina ball just writes in and says a reminder that the artful escape is on game pass so there you go. Yeah, you, yeah, and there's no you got no excuse. No excuse. If you want to play the Artful Escape, you can do it right now. And it's on Game Steam Pass. as well on uh, PC. Also, the Forgotten City is on Game Pass. Everybody go play the Forgotten City. It's a very good game. Uh, Nano also writes in and says the Distortion World was a Pokemon Platinum feature that was the location of the game's primarily primary legendary Giratina. It's one of the few things that appear to have carried over from Platinum into this remake. So there you go. Some context for you. Uh, Today is Tuesday, means tomorrow is Wednesday, and your hosts for tomorrow are Tim and Andy. If you're watching this live on Twitch right now, after this is Forza Horizon 5 with Nick, Mike, and Andy. If you want to catch that stream later, you can subscribe to youtube.com slash kindoffunnyplays. Remember, this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily. Remember, uh, or each and every weekday live right here on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames, we run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. We have a Patreon post show for those that are subbed at the silver level of patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames, so stick around for that. Hey, Otherwise. is there a kind? Is there a kind of funny um, Forza Horizon club? Because I'm looking to join a Ooh, club. Ooh, that's a really good question. I actually don't know. I might hit up Snowback Mike about that because that seems like a Snowback Mike thing. I think he would. Yeah, be maybe the one I to create one. I'll join it. I'm looking looking for one. Let's figure that out. What do you get with a club? I'm is not sure, like, but it's like you know, it's like clan. being in a clan or whatever. You can do events together. I'm not entirely sure how it works, but I, it's a thing. I'm looking to join one, so it may as well be you know if there's a kind of funny one. Yeah, we uh, got to get that going. Let's get that going. Until next time, it's been our pleasure to serve you.